You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. You can go over to verse 18. We're digging through this parable that we generally call the parable of the sower. And... Um, Jesus, in in verses 3 through 9 of this chapter, which we're not going to read this morning, Jesus gives the parable, and then here beginning in verse 18, 19, he begins to teach us about the parable, what it meant. I will remind you that over in Mark chapter 4, Mark records that Jesus said that this parable is so foundational that without understanding it, we're not going to understand any of the parables. That's a pretty powerful statement. So this whole thing about seed time and harvest really foundational, and we need to understand how it works. Last week, we talked about that first kind of soil. Jesus gives us four types of soil in this parable. The first one is hard soil. It's a roadway or a beaten path. It's where somebody walks when they're casting seed. It's absolutely hard. Um, The seed just falls onto it, and the devil comes in immediately to snatch the seed of God's word out of off of that hard ground. Uh, throughout this parable, the sower stays the same. God doesn't change. That's a surprise, huh? God doesn't change. The seed doesn't change. The seed is the word of God. The only thing that changes is the condition of heart. We can have all four of these kinds of soil, hard soil, rocky soil, which we're going to talk about today, uh, weedy soil. I don't know how else to say that. And then um, good soil, okay? And all of us want to be good ground. We all want to have good soil in our hearts. But we talked about last week, good soil is made. It doesn't just, it isn't just found. You know, somebody doesn't just drive down the road and say, oh, there's perfect soil right there. Let's just go plant some seed. It always has to be worked. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in our life. He works the soil of our hearts. We all come in with some hard ground. We all come in with some rocky ground. We all come in with some weeds, Okay. And the Holy Spirit works on all of that to produce good soil and good ground in our hearts so that we can produce a huge harvest from the word that he puts in us. So uh, we talked last week about the hard soil. You can, you can get that either by podcast or on, uh, on our, what do we call this, live stream, the archive of the, the live stream. So let's go to verse 19. I'm actually, I'm going to read to you. I think I have, I think I put where we have scriptures up on the screen. They're going to be NIV, but I'm actually going to talk out of the Amplified today. And again, we're just going to kind of work through this in the time we have left. So in verse 19, Jesus says, while anyone is hearing the word of the kingdom and does not grasp and comprehend it, remember we said that that means We don't put the pieces together. We don't spend enough time with him to grab hold, to grasp the word that he's spoken to us and to start putting the pieces together. How does that word apply to life? We don't spend the time with God to do that. When anybody is hearing the word, right while they're hearing it even, but they don't grasp and comprehend it, they don't put anything into it from their end, essentially. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is what was sown along the roadside. That's the picture of hard ground. All right, so in verse 20, he says, as for what was sown on thin, rocky soil. All right, what was sown on thin, rocky soil. This is he who hears the word and at once welcomes and accepts it with joy. 
yet or but, it has no root in him, but is temporary. It's inconstant. It lasts but a little while. And when affliction or trouble or persecution comes on account of the word, at once he is caused to stumble. Get this. He is repelled and begins to distrust and desert him who ought, he ought to trust and obey, and he falls away. Okay, so this description is of what Jesus calls rocky soil. Uh, there are a couple of different ideas about that, and I think they're, they're actually all legitimate. Um, some of the translations even say gravel, okay? Some of the translations say rocky soil. There's dirt, there's some soft soil, there's some soil that's conducive to the seed working, right? But there are still rocks in it. It's not hard, it's not hard ground like the last one. The seed can begin to work, but there's still rocks in it. Uh, another idea about that that some Bible scholars talk about is that there's a thin layer of soil on the top. That's that real quick, welcoming, joyful, oh man, the, the word is so great attitude, okay? But underneath, there's a layer of rock. Whatever the case, the issue is that this person hears the word, they get really excited about it. They're not hard toward it. They get excited about it initially. There is an emotional response to it. But the soil, the part of the heart that is ready to actually do something with seed, that's real shallow. The Passion Translation says, they receive the word with joy, but their experience remains shallow. Okay, that's another way to look at it. Their experience remains shallow. We always talk about the fact that the word should always lead us to a revelation about the person. We want the, the person of Jesus Christ, the person of the Holy Spirit at work in our life. He works with the word. The word is alive. The word contains the life of God and it can release it in our life. It can produce fruit, produce a harvest in our lives. But it always needs to be this combination of what the Spirit is doing with, but the Spirit is the one who, who nurtures that seed and brings it alive and brings the life out of it. The Spirit is also the one who works the rocks out of our hearts, and we all have them. So it's not, we're not hard-hearted toward God, but there are still stony places. There are still, and, and what is a stony place? Well, it's a part of us, part of our heart, part of our receiving ability that is simply resistant to the word really putting down a root. It's like the word can't find a crack, can't find a, a place to put roots down. And, and you can think about roots do primarily two things. They, they bring stability, right? They're what keep trees from just blowing over in every storm, right? They, they bring stability to the plant and they feed the plant. They bring stability and they bring nourishment. All right. So the word needs to go down. It needs to put down roots in our hearts so that when trouble and persecution and affliction comes up in our life, and it doesn't say if, it says when, okay, when that comes up in our life, the word is not easily taken from us. All right. Now, here's an interesting thing about this passage. The Amplified here said, 
Now let me let me back up. I'm not I'm not going to get to that yet. Yes, I am. The Amplified here said that it it the word has no real root in him. Okay, so the word is unable to put down a root because there's something resisting it. An attitude, an old habit, a wrong belief. You know, it's the same list that we gave you last week, really, about hard ground. What causes hard ground? I'll give you a whole list. Uh, bad doctrine about God or about the things of God. You know, we just talked the offering about how people misunderstand the idea of prosperity. Well, if you have it in your heart that God... God doesn't want me to have anything. I'd get, you know, I'd, that, that's bad. You know, it's bad. It's if somebody has something that's, or has more than they need that I've decided they need. If somebody has more than that, then they must be greedy. They must be using people. They must be, oh man, that business is thriving. They've got to be bad people. I mean, there's that, that idea out there and it's been spiritualized and brought into the church. And if you have that in your heart, this is just an example, then when we read a verse like Joshua chapter 1 or, or any one of hundreds of verses about God wanting to increase you inwardly and outwardly, the word's gonna, that word's going to have a real hard time going down in your heart. Why? Because there's a rock there. There's bad doctrine there. Offense, if we're holding offense toward people. It's the same list we gave you last week about hard ground, but now it's not covering entirely our heart, but there are still places. So the word can't put a root down. This, this translation says, it has no root in him. Other translations say, he, the person receiving the word, has no root in himself. Okay? Why is that? Because the word he doesn't appear in the original text. All it says is, there's no root. Okay? I believe both of those are true. I believe there are two things that go on here. One is that when we have these, this rocky soil, these places in our heart, the word can't put down a root in us, becomes stabilized. Okay, first thing, stabilized so that when trouble comes into your life, it doesn't just, you know, you don't just let it go. It doesn't just get wiped out of your life becomes stabilized, and it can feed on what God's doing. It can feed. That word can always grow. It's a seed. It'll grow. It'll produce. It'll grow up. And every plant, every seed we plant goes through a bunch of stages before it produces a big harvest. So all of that is going on. The word can't put down roots. But the other thing is that there are a lot of people who have no root or no rootedness, no ability for rootedness, no habit of rootedness in their life. These are people that move from whenever trouble comes in, whenever difficulty, whenever confrontation, whenever conflict, whenever dissatisfaction comes into their life, they move. They move from place to place, town to town. Oh, the next town's going to be perfect. Next town's going to be great. And they get there and they'll write back to you and tell you, man, this is the best. This is just, everything's perfect here. Gunnison sucks. Every, I'm telling you, everything's bad there. But where I am now, everything's great. It's a honeymoon period that they go through at the new place. But the problem is there's no root in them. There's no rootedness in their life. And pretty soon 
the same inward issues that cause them to be dissatisfied here, cause them to be dissatisfied or to lose jobs or whatever the issue is somewhere else. They move from town to town. They move from friendship to friendship. They move from church to church. We see it in church all the time. I mean, it's, people come in and, and honestly, when somebody comes in and they come up and they're visiting, they say, oh man, this is the church I've been looking for all my life. This is, every person here is just the sweetest thing. You know, they're just, oh, they're just so welcoming. And oh, your message was just so awesome in the worship. And I'm always standing there going, thank you. That's great. I wonder if we'll see you next week. Because it's, it's a honeymoon period. And I mean, the people that are in this room today, they are all wonderful and perfect. But some of the others that aren't here this week, less so, right? So, so you know, we do see this seriously. We see this in church. And they're here for a little while and pretty quick. And I mean, I love having people love the church. I mean, that's great. But when it's that effervescent, I usually know that's a honeymoon period. I hope they get through it. And I hope they put down roots. I hope this is where God wants to plant them in the first place. But I hope they allow themselves to be planted in a church and put down roots. Because Psalm 92 talks to us about the people that are planted in the house of the Lord. That they're going to flourish. They're going to prosper. They're going to flourish. They're going to last a long time because they're planted. They've put down roots. There's a huge thing about rooting in our lives. People move from marriage to marriage, relationship to relationship. Every time the sun comes up, the heat gets out there, that one's no good anymore. And rather than learn how to put down roots, they move on. So probably taking a little too much time on this, but I think there are two issues here about this. One is those hard places in our heart keep the word from putting down roots. Second one is, have you built... A quality, I guess that's the best term for it, a quality of perseverance and endurance. Have you learned how to have an argument with somebody and get over it? Have you learned how to disagree with your boss and get over it? Have you learned how to go past that and stick to your words, stick to things? Doesn't mean there's never a time to move. There is. But I'm telling you, there's not a perfect town. There's not a perfect church. There's not a perfect person for you to be friends with. None of those things exist. We need to learn. We need to have greater character than that and learn how to stick with friendships, stick with marriages, certainly stick with uh, churches and, and jobs and all those kinds of things. And again, not that there's no place to move. There certainly is. But that should be the exception and not the rule in our life. If we're bouncing from place to place, we've never really learned about rootedness. And so here's the thing about that. If we haven't learned that in other areas of our life, it's going to be really hard for us to put down roots in the word. Jesus said, abide in me and my word will abide in you. Abide in me. That's, that's the first one. We are doing the abiding. We are are doing the putting down roots. We are the ones who are going to last, going to stay, not give up, not quit. We can depend on him for the perseverance to do that, and he'll give it to us. It's a grace that comes from God. I don't have time to teach on it today. But uh, we can trust him for that character quality to build that into us. All right? But we abide in him. We make that choice. Then his word 
will abide in us and produce much fruit to the glory of the Father, right? So those two things are, they're, they're together there and they're really, really important. So this idea of shallow soil, one of the issues with that, and the Passion Translation brings that out, it reflects a shallow interest in the things of God. They're just, you know, we, we like the things of God. We, we, we love God. You can love God, but not be very interested in what he's saying to you. You love salvation and the idea of not going to hell, okay? But you're not all that interested in what is the Spirit of God saying? What's he doing? What's his purpose for you? What's his destiny for you? What has he designed you for? I want to fulfill the purpose of God. I want to be involved with what God's doing in the earth today. Are we hungry for that? Or do we just have a shallow relationship there? It says they welcome the word with joy. That is absolutely an emotional response to the word. Oh, this is so awesome. You know, I, I asked God and he, and he gave me this. You know, he said that, oh, you know, I heard this in church. This was so good. This was the answer I needed. Awesome. That's good. That should be our response. But it says, because of this lack of rootedness in the person, they don't last. They don't hang on to it. They don't grasp it and comprehend it. They don't put the effort into it. They let it go as soon as trouble or persecution comes into their life. Okay? Um, oh, there was something that just went through that I really wanted to grab for you. Hang on, this is too important. Oh, here's another thing that happens in that shallow soil area. And the Lord really put this on my heart the other day. We have to remember in this spot that every word that God ever speaks to us, it's, it's a seed. It always comes as a seed. So even when that word comes in and you're saying, hallelujah, this is exactly the answer I was looking for. There it is in God's word. Thank you, Lord. When you're having that welcoming, accepting, joyful experience, remember it's a seed. Because the problem is sometimes we come with a real issue and we ask God and God speaks to us. We forget it's a seed. We think because God spoke to us, it should all be done tomorrow. My heart should be changed in this. I should never, you know, get, get angry with people this way again. I should never experience this temptation again. I should never commit that sin again. I should, I should you know, this, this word from you about my job or my marriage or whatever, that should all be done because it felt like it. When it came in, it felt like, wow, this is the answer. And it was, but it's a seed, don't forget, it's all, it comes, every word God ever speaks is a seed. And so after the seed is planted, there has to be a nurturing. There has to be, germination has to happen, okay? All the life that you need, all the answer is in that seed. So don't let go of that seed. Protect that seed. Let the Holy Spirit nurture that seed. Pray over that seed. Go back to that scripture and read it. Give your time, give your focus to that seed. Let the Holy Spirit nurture it because there are going to be a number of stages with that seed before you see the fullness of it come to pass in your life. It always comes as a seed. Um, 
I just heard, I've, see, I've heard Bill Johnson say this a bunch of times, and I just heard it again a couple days ago. He says it this way. He says, we, yeah, we ask God for an oak tree, and he gives us an acorn. And in that acorn, there are a whole bunch of oak trees. And in all those oak trees, there are billions of acorns, right? But we asked for an oak tree, he gave us an acorn. And so it has to be nurtured. It has to grow. It has to produce. So we need to give ourselves to the words that he is speaking to us, the things that he's highlighting in your time. Those, those things are so important, but they're seeds. So don't get discouraged the next day when you go out to the garden and you don't have a full ear of corn. It's not the way it works. And that's why this is so important. That's why Jesus said, if you don't get the way this works, you're not, you're not going to get anything that I teach you because every word we get from God is a seed. Does that make sense to you? All right. So uh, back down to verse 21. It says he has no real root in him, but his temporary is inconstant, lasts but a little while. Let me move along here. Maybe there's something in these notes for you guys. I'm not using them, so sorry. Um, there's the verse in a different translation. I'm reading it. That's helpful. Um, you shouldn't even try this at home. So, so there's this temperate here, and that blows me away. The eternal word of God can produce only temporary results in us, depending on how we handle it. What an amazing thing. It's so amazing to me that the traditions of men, religious tradition, can make God's word of no effect in our lives. How can God's word be of no effect? It's only in our lives. It doesn't change the word. It's just how much it'll produce in our lives. So he says, then when affliction or trouble or persecution arises on account of the word. So here's an important thing. Trouble, uh, trouble and affliction and persecution. Let's just talk about that. There's actually only two words there. The first one is affliction, or we call it, it's translated tribulation a lot. It can be translated trouble, all right, and persecution. All right, the first one, tribulation, and those of you who have been here for a while, you've heard this a number of times, comes from the Greek word thalipsis, and that word referred, or, or at least was used, referred to a lot of things. It was used to describe uh, a torture, and, torture and execution that the Romans used, where they had a stone, a flat stone, they laid somebody on top of it, and then they had another huge stone, and they would very slowly lower that stone on top of you and just very slowly suffocate you and crush the life out of you. And they would take as long as they could doing it so you would suffer as much as you could. That's the ellipsis. That's the idea of affliction, tribulation, all right? Second word is persecution. That means to pursue with hostility. That is people coming against you. That is people, um, you know, for, for us, it might be criticizing, putting you down, rejecting, staying away from you, not inviting you to the holidays, you know, whatever it might be. For people in other parts of the world, it could be being put in a cage and set on fire. It could be losing, you know, a hand or an arm or a head or whatever could be put in prison for the rest of your life because, get it, because of the word. It's for the word's sake. Those things are coming into your life to take the word out of your life. Again, if you've got any farmer, if your neighbor 
has a great garden and you're jealous and you don't want them to grow anything in their garden. Well, the first thing, you know, you could try to keep them from planting, but if they planted, you'd go out and dig up their seed. If you were a terrible neighbor, right? You'd dig up the seed before it could produce. That's what the devil's trying to do in your life and my life. And so this scripture tells us those things, and think about that, you know, that suffocating pressure that comes from life. And it could be, it could come in any form. It could come, and I know these are kind of mild, but I mean, it could come in car breakdowns. It could come in losing your job. It could come in uh, all kinds of different ways. There are all kinds of things that could come into your life, financial problems, whatever it is. And it just feels like the walls are closing in. It just feels like there's no hope. There's no place to go. There's just the pressure, the heaviness, the weight that comes upon us. That comes to steal the word out of your heart. A lot of people think God sends that to teach them and train them and make them stronger. And let me just say this, I don't have time for this, but I got to say it anyway. Over in James chapter one, it talks about the idea that, that uh, tribulation, okay, works perseverance or patience. Most people have been taught that that means tribulation installs patience in you. That's not what it means. What, it, what he is saying there is that these things come. In fact, he says down 13, verse 13 of that chapter, don't ever say God is the one who's testing me in this way. All right, go read it. He makes it real clear. But what the language there is that when these things come into your life, if they're handled properly, then perseverance which is that term speaks of a grace that comes from God. Bible scholars say this was, they called it the queen of graces in the New Testament church. It was a perseverance that when they were being burned at the stake, these people would sing psalms. There was a, there was a joy that would rise up in the face of tribulation and problems that were coming into their life. And this thing would rise up on the inside of them. It's something God installs. It is something God gives to us. And the language in James says that when tribulation comes against you, what it says literally there, it's a gymnasium term. It gives what God has already put in you a workout. Okay, it's just like if you go into the gym and there are all these weights there, then you can use those properly and you can build muscle, but you already have the muscle to build. It's just, it will build it. It will strengthen it. By the same token, you can go into the gym and somebody can just throw those weights at you and that does not, you know, make, it impacts your life. I was going to say it doesn't impact your life. It does impact your life, but it doesn't make you stronger, okay? So here, Jesus is saying that tribulation comes into our life to steal the word. When that pressure comes, we want to get distracted and trust in somebody else, something else. We don't stop and say, wait a minute. God just told me this. God's been speaking this into my life. And then this comes up, forget you. And we take, you know, we take, not take offense, but we take the offensive against whatever that thing is coming into our life and we hang on to the word, right? Persecution, the same way. When people start rejecting you and criticizing you because of the word, it's because the word is working in you, all right? It's because you're following Jesus. You're loving God. You're walking in a different way and people will start to reject you and criticize you and, and 
pursue, the word means pursue you with hatred. It happens, okay? It happens. And let me say this while we're right here, in case I haven't made anybody mad yet. Uh, you being fired from your job because you're a Christian, really, because you're a Christian, might be persecution. You being fired from your job because you're a lousy employee, but happen to be a Christian, that is not persecution. And, you know, we all laugh, but I've heard this. And I've heard from both sides. And that person wasn't doing their job. And this guy, this employer struggled and struggled and struggled because it's a brother or a sister. You know, I don't want to fire them. It's a brother or a sister. They're not doing their job. They're messing around at work. They're ruining things. It's like, oh, you're probably going to have to fire them. That's not persecution. People rejecting you because you're an angry, bitter, super needy, I don't know, person is not persecution. Sometimes we need to grow up, okay? That's not persecution. Persecution comes because you're a follower of Jesus, for real, okay, for real. It's coming and it comes into your life for no other reason and it's there and, and it's, it's hard and it hurts and it's there to steal the word out of your heart, so don't let it go. We've got to wrap this up. Let me just finish this with, so it says, yeah, just stay with me about two or three more minutes. It says that when this happens, all right, this person, let me read it to you again. What happens in this person, this stuff comes on account of the word, takes the word out of the heart. At once, because the stuff wasn't rooted in him, at once he is caused to stumble. That's the exact same word that we have for offense. Okay, he takes up offense, usually at God. Well, I just got this great thing and then this bad thing happened in my life or these people rejected me. God, why did you do that? Or God, if, if, you know, if you're real, why did this bad thing happen? Whatever, they get offended with God. It says they stumble, they are repelled and begin to distrust and desert him whom they ought to trust and obey and they fall away. All right, so just think this through with me for just a second. We said last week that in hard-heartedness, right, that hard ground, one of the primary things that goes on there is offense. We get offended. We get offended with another person. We get offended with God. Hardens our heart every time. Now we're up to just stony ground. It's better than the hard ground. But if we don't handle that right, if we don't develop rootedness in ourselves and let the word put down roots in us, the end result is we get offended and, and we go backwards. We can go backwards to hard-heartedness and fall away from God because we were at this place of just stony ground, but we didn't have, let the word put down roots in us. And we come out of that in offense and it takes us back a step. So what we need to do is we need to address, we need to let the Holy Spirit. Rocks in soil, they have to be picked they have better ways of doing it these days. But when I was a kid, that meant farmer drove along with a wagon and a bunch of us for almost no money, walked along, picked up rocks and threw them in the wagon. You know, it was hard, hot, horrible work. And they had to be, those rocks had to be picked up and you'd get that field cleared and they'd plant that, that year and the next year, some more rocks would have come up, you know? 
They just come up. And it's going to happen, really, it's going to happen to some degree for the rest of our lives. This is what the renewing of the mind is all about, is the Holy Spirit works with us, and he'll get a certain, certain bunch of rocks out, and then maybe some little parts of that same thing will come up or something else. This is, this is going to go on until we see Jesus face to face, but those rocks have to be picked. You can't pretend they're not there. You can't, they'll do damage, right? You can't. And so we've got to get with the Spirit of God, get with the Word of God, and just give ourselves to the process of him working these things up. When he confronts you about something with his Word, rejoice. It's a good thing. When he shows you something that you don't like in yourself, rejoice. He's there to pick the rock out, okay? He's there to increase your character, to grow you up so that you can produce more fruit. All right, let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning again for all that you've done in us. And Father, I just want to pray for anyone out there who would agree. Father, we've all got some rocky soil, no question about it. So Lord, we just open our hearts to you right now and we say, yep, Holy Spirit, come. Pick the rocks you want to pick. Pick them in the order you want to pick them. Lord, just just speak your word to us. Just work in us. Talk to us. Talk to us. Address us. Bring those things to the surface and take them out. And we yield ourselves to that process because Lord, we want to produce great fruit. And we thank you so much that you are a good gardener. You are a good tender of each of our lives. You, you go to great lengths to keep working your life into us and working the garbage out. And we thank you so much for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. We're going to be dismissed and we're going to say goodbye. All right, one, two, three. Sign up for church next week. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.